Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week is a man whose fingers have been flying up and down fretboards for decades. In addition to his thriving solo career, he's played guitar for Alice Cooper's band for years and been a member of the band UFO since 2003. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, a first-class musician from the first state, Vinnie Moore. Vinny, hey how you doing? How's it going, guys? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I totally appreciate it. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this, Vinny. And, and what we'd love to do is um, take a little bit of a trip. And for us, it won't be that far. Maybe just a little bit down south on 95 uh, into that first state that Rosie talked about. So what was it like for you growing up in the Blue Hen State? And where exactly in Delaware did you grow up? I grew up in Newcastle, Delaware, an old Newcastle area, actually, which is a historic town. And, uh, you know, a lot of family and friends in this area. And, you know, there were times where I thought I should probably move away to L.A., New York or whatever. But uh, luckily, I kind of established myself in the business and got some touring gigs. And, you know, just I'm still here. Vinny, that's amazing that you were able to to, like you said, establish yourself and have such a flourishing career staying in Delaware. I mean, you're right. Most the expectations really are to move to L.A. or to move to New York. How do you think that happened? I don't know. Um, I basically wrote songs and sent my music to people and kind of got into the business that way based on the music. And uh, lucky for me, you know, just kept doing working hard and uh, putting out new stuff and uh anytime there was an opportunity i i tried to seize it well benny one thing that i think was uh pretty interesting very early on let's say in your career was that your first big break didn't really happen on stage it happened on a baseball field and it didn't involve your hands i think it involved your ankle oh you know about the broken ankle thing huh yeah yeah, I had just started playing guitar and I was really into playing Little League Baseball. I loved it. And, uh, you know, I was really good in the minor and the major leagues. And then we got up into the senior leagues. Everybody had gotten bigger, but I didn't. So it was like, wow, you know, the run to first base was seemed so long. And and uh, yeah, in the preseason of that first year, I did break my ankle and I had just started playing guitar and was falling in love with that. And so just kind of shifted gears and, and went that route. Not that I could have done anything with uh, baseball, but my mom thought I could. Oh, that's so I think you made the right decision. Yeah. So growing up, Vinny, we understand that you had, of course, a lot of influences as a, a guitarist, but Jeff Beck's album Wired really impacted you. What was it about that? album that affected you so much i really don't know it was just like magic on a vinyl record uh i heard of jeff beck maybe like six months into playing and i wasn't i was just playing basic chords and stuff and he was way over my head for that time but i heard an ad on the radio saying he was coming to the spectrum in philadelphia and uh I didn't end up going to the show because I was too young. My parents wouldn't let me go to concerts yet. But I thought they were playing his music in the background. And I thought, wow, that sounds really interesting. So I went to the local department store to see if they had any of his records. And they had Wired. And so I bought it. And it totally changed my life. 
you know, as I became a better musician and a better player and had learned more, it influenced me even more because, you know, it was a deep record. You know, somebody who was a bit beginner could listen to it and hear the melodies and pick up on the feel and these catchy melodies, but it was deeper too. If you knew more, you know, you could draw more from it. And, you know, I kept coming back to that record over the years. Mm. In fact, it never went anywhere. I always listened to it tons but you know as i was progressing i was learning more and more from it he, he was definitely the master wow well i want to follow up with two things to that um one did you go once you were old enough to a lot of concerts at the spectrum and and two uh did you ever think when you were listening to his prowess on the guitar that you would be able to reach that level as a kid. Well, I don't know if I ever did reach that level, but I did reach a higher level for me. And uh, I went to tons of concerts at the Spectrum. In fact, my first concert was um, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow opening for uh, Blue Oyster Cult. That was the first show I went to. And uh, I was still pretty young and my parents wouldn't let me go alone. They're gonna, People will be smoking pot there and all that stuff. So they actually went with me and two of my friends and they sat behind me. It was the most embarrassing thing ever, <laughs> but I still had to go see Richie and Blue Oyster Cult. And I've often uh, told Eric Bloom from BOC, you know, that that was my first concert. And uh, yeah, he got a big kick out of it. But yeah, yeah, I saw Jeff back there on the There and Back Tour in 1980. That year, the Phillies were playing the Astros in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess uh, the Astros were in the other league at that point. In, in the American League, so they were actually playing in the playoffs, and uh, it was horrible traffic that night because we had Jeff a Jeff Beck concert and the Phillies playoff game. Oh and yeah, that I'm sorry, really mom. I did smoke pot there. before that concert. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the traffic can get pretty ugly down there when there's multiple events going on at the same time. But I, Vinny, I had to laugh when you were sharing that story about the concert because my first concert. I loved Edgar Winter as a kid and Edgar Winter and Bad Company. And my dad took me, sat with me. And as we were walking out to the parking lot, his ears started bleeding because of Rick Derringer's leads. So it was it was dedication as a dad. I commended him for that. I saw Ted Nugent there with the Scorpions opening and I had an ear infection beforehand. And that concert was so loud. I was at the ear doctor like within a week getting treatment, you know, it didn't help my ear infection at all. Oh. Terrible Ted, like, did a number on my left ear. <laughs> well, Terrible Ted did a number on his own ears over the years. Yeah, he did. And uh, luckily for me, I was kind of wise to that and started wearing earplugs very early on on stage and from the early 90s. And so I can hear you loud yeah, and good. clearly right now. <laughs> Well, that's great because one thing um, that I wanted to just take a look back at, uh, Vinny, was you, as you said, you were young, you started playing the guitar, you were playing in bands, you were working hard to, to get yourself as good as you could get as a guitarist. And then in 1985, you submitted a demo to Guitar Player Magazine, and that turned out to be a pretty good decision, didn't it? Yeah, it was a pivotal event in my life, actually. It started everything off. Um, it was Mike Varney's column and guitar player called Spotlight for New Talent. And he ended up featuring me. He would feature three guys in every issue. And he chose me as one of the guys. And he gave me a stellar write-up. 
And then from there, I kind of got lucky and a production company in Los Angeles who was casting for a Pepsi TV commercial saw that they went out and bought a bunch of guitar mags and they happened to see that. And I got that based on that uh, review and, you know, appearance and spotlight. Yeah, that was a pretty face melting solo you did in that commercial. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I was initially um, auditioning to be acting in the commercial too but i think i was like 19 or 20 i flew to la and to audition it was my first time on a plane and i was really nervous and a little intimidated by the whole la thing so i think i was a little bit too camera shy i didn't quite have the experience and the confidence at that point but luckily somehow they chose you know the track i recorded yeah, but Vinny, isn't there a shot in there of your uh, fingers on the fretboard? Yeah, I always like joke that this hand is famous. Yeah, for like a millisecond, you see my hands. Initially, it started out with like I was going to teach um, Derry from Honeymoon Suite, who acted in the commercial. I was going to teach him the parts. And uh, he just said, look, I don't have enough time to learn all this. You know, maybe just use his hands for the close up. So, so my hands got famous because of that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now, just kind of fast forward a little bit from there, Vinny, you're working on your first uh, solo album, Mind's Eye. And I've seen you in the past, You, I've heard you say that initially you wanted that to be a vocal uh, album. And yeah, the, many of my early records. Way. So how did, how did it change? Well, I was uh, Mike Varney, who wrote the column we were talking about, had his own label called Shrapnel Records. And we started talking about doing a record together, obviously. And the first thing he got me on was a band called Vicious Rumors. I went out to California for like four months and uh, rehearsed and kind of wrote songs with the guys. And I think that record came out in maybe 86. And uh, we started talking about me doing a solo record. And initially... He mentioned like doing an instrumental record. He's like, you know, I've heard some of your instrumental stuff. I think you'd be good at following that path. And I at first was kind of resistant to it because I always wanted to be part of a band, you know, more of a band scenario. But at a certain point, I, I kind of took his point like, yeah, it could be cool, you know, to do that. I think I could come up with enough songs for it for an instrumental record. And uh and then we'll do the vocal thing later down the road was the plan. But then what happened is the record did really well. It created quite a big buzz for me. So then I had to follow it up with another instrumental record because it kind of would have been silly to do a vocal record, you know, on the heels of another successful record. So the vocal thing kept getting pushed back to the back burner there for a while. Sometimes you have to just go with the flow, you know, right? And not resist too much. That's true. That's a good point. And you kind of did that when you played a, a few tracks on Alice Cooper's band's album, right? Right. Yeah. Talk to our viewers about how that turned out for you. It turned out really well. And again, I joined his band, but initially I was just supposed to play a couple tracks on the record. He had a lot of guest guitar players on that album um, from Steve Vai to Joe Satriani to Slash. And so when I got the call from my manager saying they'd like you to play on a couple tracks, it's like, of course, I want to be, even if there's no other guitar players, I'd love to play with Alice because I was a fan when I was a kid, of course. And that all came about when I was in the studio mixing the Meltdown record. And uh, we had all these like 
high hopes, you know, for touring um, with that record. And so eventually when they liked what I did and asked me to be in the touring band was like, ah, well, how am I going to do that? I have my record coming out. We're talking about me doing a six month tour with my solo band, you know? So at first I didn't want to do it. And I said, no. And uh, luckily my manager was like, man, are you crazy? You know, turning down Alice Cooper. But to be with his band, I had to push the release date of my record back months. And that was kind of like eating at me, you know, because I was so excited to get my record out. Yeah, so I had to put it on the back burner for a little while. Well, Vinny, the one good thing to, to come of that, in addition to getting to play with Alice Cooper's band, which is was really cool, but from a timing standpoint, when your album came out, you had the opportunity then to open a few shows for another iconic band. And I believe the very first one was at the Spectrum. The first two were at the Spectrum, which was like so nerve wracking, I can't even tell you. <laughs> um, at that point, my band was on tour playing clubs all over America. And we finished in like Superior, Wisconsin, I think it was. That's the right state. Anyway, I remember like driving all the way back to the East Coast. It took like 25 hours and we did it in, in one uh, run with people, different people sharing the driving duties. But anyway, yeah, the rest thing, uh, how could it be more nerve wracking than the first two shows being at the Spectrum in Philadelphia? And I remember like I was keeping my cool and my composure. I was at my house with my band, everything was fine. And then we, drove up I-95 heading towards the spectrum and I heard the radio ad and it was for the Rush concert, Rush with local hometown guitar hero, Vinny Moore. And I like, I, I started to lose it. Like, oh my God, this is crazy. And yeah, so it was very nerve wracking. And it's always more nerve wracking playing in your home area in front of people, you know, you know, it's always easier to fly somewhere else and play in front of strange audience you know family and the friends always kind of you know add some jitters to the equation absolutely i mean i i totally agree with you on that how do you handle the nerves and did your parents come to the show my parents came to the show i think they came to both actually and uh basically most of my nerve my nervousness is before actually getting the guitar in my hand once i start playing and i get on stage i'm okay it's all the stuff leading up to that you know where you just kind of have to distract yourself because if you sit around thinking about it you know it'll drive you crazy it's not it's a tall order to play because the stakes are higher you want the people that you love and that you know to to really think the best of you and you want it to go well you know other people you're yeah. not going to see again absolutely that's part of it and also just making sure everybody's good and you know taking care of them being hospitable i mean that kind of enters into the equation too but yeah any favorite memories from from those days or even from tourists touring with alice oh man i always tell a funny story about opening for rush um we were driving around in a minivan and a rider truck. You know, our techs were in the rider truck with our gear and the band was driving in a minivan with a tour manager driving. And we'd pull up to the gigs and there's Rush with like 88 tour buses and all these <laughs> semi trucks everywhere. 
And um, there was one gig, I don't know if it was in Boston or where it was, but we actually drove into the building in this white Dodge Caravan right up to the backstage dressing room door. <laughs> and, you know, just driving past all these buses and these semi-trucks and a little minivan was was crazy, actually, and comical. What did the guys in the band say to you after they heard you play? The Rush guys? Rush, yeah. They were really positive. They were really good guys, really nice guys. And I didn't really spend as much time with them as you might think, because of course they're going to stay to themselves. And uh, so there weren't a whole lot of um, encounters, but yeah, they were always like top-notch guys, really, really nice guys and total class. Now, Vinny, I've, I've always wondered um, since most of your music has been instrumental and is so intricate and involved and, and just so just any one album of yours is incredible and has so many different sounds to it is when it comes time to play i'm wondering compared to say a band where there's vocals is it more difficult from a set list standpoint to to play or to remember which one is like to differentiate with instrumentals than it is with vocals Thank you for the kind words. Um, it's harder being the instrumental guy because like most of the focus is on you. And I don't really like that. I like being in the band where the audience is kind of looking at the singer and they're looking at everybody, not just staring at my fingers. You know, that's kind of a little nuts. I mean, I like playing solo shows live, of course, also. Uh, it can be more demanding because like, you know, trying to do all those little things with all the little nuances, you know, it's demanding at times. And, you know, just rehearsing in advance is what I have to do to make sure I'm going to hit the stuff I need to hit. Did you ever say worry growing up or, or as you were like in full swing with your career about, you know, insuring your hands or... <laughs> taking extra special care of your hands. That's always come up because I, apparently Eddie Van Halen insured his hands with Lloyd's of London. And that was always the joke, but <laughs> no, I never did. And I've been lucky. Thank God. Knock on wood. That's but yeah, cool. you just have to be careful and don't do anything stupid. Definitely. Yeah, we've, we've actually heard Vinny from some other guitarists that um, uh, like we had Dallas Toller Wade on uh, not that long ago, and he's, you know, he's flying up and down and doing all that. And he talked about how there's been a lot of guitarists that, whether it's carpal tunnel or different, you know, injuries from the repetition. But right. I, I can't help but think that because you're so diversified and because you do so many things, I don't know that you really repeat, even though you might be playing the same songs. Does it help that you're just doing such a variety of different things with the way you play? Yeah, I think if you're doing one specific technique like over and over and over again, that's going to have an effect on you. Uh, yeah, so mixing it up is definitely a cool thing. I like I play some bluesy stuff, some yeah. what people call shred stuff, which is more busy. You know, I have a lot of influences musically and i kind of like i'm a little i always say i'm a little bit schizophrenic because sometimes i'm a little all over the, the place musically but i think that's kind of what you need to be if you're going to do an instrumental record otherwise it's going to get really boring really quickly i mean you can't just do the same thing over and over stylistically you know the music has to be varied 
and uh, you have to cover some ground. There has to be dynamics and contrast. So I've always been conscious of kind of like mixing things up and not just staying on like 10 all the time. You know, the songs, you have to have good songs and melodies that people can sing, in my opinion, anyway, that are catchy. Like, you know, Jeff Beck Wired record. There was like so many like little catch phrases that he played that people could latch on to, to even me as a guy who was 12 years old and had only been playing guitar for six months. Wow. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, in 2003, you started playing with UFO. How mm -hmm. did that whole opportunity come about for you? They were looking for a guitar player, and I think their initial plan was to find someone in England. You know, they were based in England. Uh, Phil lived there and still lives there. And they were having trouble finding somebody. And so I was told they expanded their search to Europe and they just weren't finding the right guy. And then at a certain point, we had mutual friends. Um, the, the guy who had done sound for them had been my guitar tech and tour manager for a while. And then also back in 99, I had done a tour with Michael Schenker opening for him in America. And his manager at the time, Peter Canorn, you know, was out on the road with us for a while. So I got to know him and he became UFO's manager. So when I got the gig, he recommended me as well as this other guy, Jerry Carrillo, who was sound man for UFO at one point, who was a friend of mine. So two people recommended me. And basically I made a CD for Phil. I think it was 11 songs. And I tried to pick like different songs from different records just to kind of give him a variety of, you know, what I was all about. And I really didn't think much of it. I honestly didn't think I would be chosen, but like 10 days or maybe two weeks later, I got a call saying, yeah, Phil likes, you know, your music and wants you to do it. And uh, so that's all how it all came about. You know, they were looking and we have mutual friends who recommended me. Well, here and Vinny, what, what amazes me with that is that, yeah, it turned out really well, but it also going on a couple of decades, 20 years as part of that band. And you've been cranking out album after album on the solo side as well. Like, how do you do it all? I don't know. I just always have to be working or I get really nervous. If I'm not working on something, I'll go crazy. You know, I have a lot of energy and, you know, always have to like kind of place it somewhere. And so I, I, I like to stay busy. That's what's best for me. But yeah, when I first got that gig, I thought, hey, this is a cool thing. Um, maybe it'll last three, maybe five years at the max. And then years just started going by so quickly. And like, here we are 20 years later. And it's like, wow, did that just really last 20 years of my life? It's kind of insane. That time flies for sure, especially when you're doing what you love. Yeah, totally. Along, along those lines, is there any thing that you would have done differently are there any regrets or sacrifices maybe that you wish you didn't have had to make um you know if you look back you you know how things unfold so you could always say i should have done this or i should have done that but it's always going to be that way if i go back and i changed one thing maybe things are totally different now in a negative way who knows so i'm happy to just accept the way things went uh, one of the things is that uh, I actually left Alice Cooper's band because 
Initially, when I joined, they were going to like tour America after the first tour, which was called Operation Rock and Roll with Judas Priest. And uh, who else was on that tour? Metal Church, Dangerous Toys and Motorhead. Uh, we were going to finish that tour. And then um, Alice was going to do America again as a solo just by himself. And they kind of changed their plan. And it would have been good for me to do America because I had my record coming out and, you know, it would have been a perfect scenario. But when they changed their plan, my record label was then saying, well, Vinny's going to be in Europe for six months. It doesn't make any sense for us to put his record out. We'll just hold on to it until next year. And I had already pushed it back like at least six or eight months. So it's like, I don't, I can't wait anymore. I got, and, and then there was a possibility of opening for Rush. So I just had to pursue my own direction and release that record and go do my own tour. But like two weeks after I left the band, they did the Wayne's World movie. And they were talking about it at that time. But to be honest, I had no idea what Wayne's World was at that point. <laughs> it meant nothing to me. You know, I did, didn't know about the Saturday Night Live skit or whatever. Then six months later, it's like everywhere, Wayne's World and, you know, my friends are in the in the movie and i'm like man, i could have been in that movie if i only held on for two weeks longer mm. so that's that's wow. always been a little bit of a regret right well Vinny, i, I want to touch on uh your most recent album double exposure but before i do i just, I just want to say something i i'd be remiss if i didn't share this um your first album mind's eye and some of your earlier albums there was a time um I'd say late eighties, early nineties, when the hair bands were kind of getting phased out and grunge music was kind of getting phased in. I remember and no well. offense to my fans of grunge. I just could never really get into that that much. I think I was too positive and upbeat maybe. I don't know, but mm -hmm. your albums, Joe Satriani, and then on Sundays, a little George Benson got me through until I started, you know, finding some other things to do musically. So I just want to thank you for that because it, I just remember being in awe every time I put on that CD and like, how does he do that? It was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, that was an interesting time period because we were out on tour, as I said, on the Meltdown tour. And I think for like at least six months and we were going back to places and hitting them for a second time. And the whole mood and environment started to change like after that nirvana record and uh, kids were wearing different clothes everybody yeah. had a goatee with a flannel shirt and doc martens and you could just like feel and sense the change and uh things totally changed you know from what it had been prior to that yeah and i, I again I, like i said I, I was a fan of what you did i wasn't necessarily a big fan of the change but you know things happen and they kind of what goes around comes around but you also mentioned earlier about like the diversity that you like to have in your music. And I can't think of uh, a better example of that than double exposure. The difference, first of all, it's a mix of vocals and instrumental, which is a nice variety, but you've got songs on there, um, a Southern Highway, rock, like just so many different cool sounds. So how did that all come about and how's the album been received so far? It's been received really well. Um, my, as I said, my stuff's all over the place because, like, I don't I don't have a huge attention span. You know, I get bored with things and I have to follow kind of different areas. And, you know, I was into a bunch of different styles of music growing up. Rock, blues, jazz, fusion, 
um, Southern rock was a big influence and yeah, it just all comes out when I kind of start playing and, and writing and, uh, yeah. So I just kind of follow the muse. And originally that album was recorded during COVID during the lockdowns and we were kind of stuck at home. I was out with UFO. We were touring. We had all these tour dates that we had to shelve. And so it's like, okay, what do, what do I do? And nobody knew how long that period was going to last. So, okay, let me do a record. Maybe I'll just put out an EP with five or six songs. That's all instrumental, you know, just to get some something out there and stay busy. And uh, as I was listening through to my demos, which I often do to get like production ideas or whatever, I was actually in my garage and one song was playing and I started singing to it. I was like hearing vocals. And so I started singing along and I thought, you know, that song could be a really good vocal song. Maybe I should do two versions of it. And so that's where the whole idea was born to like do two versions of each song. Cause as I listened through more, I became aware that like every song could also be a, a vocal song. Mm. And so that's kind of, you know, the inception of it all, you know, this, you know, doing two versions of each song, six and six. And yeah, just kind of went with the flow. And I thought, let me do something different and interesting and kind of quirky and, you know, just see how it goes. That's a really creative concept. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it Vin all happened to me in my garage when I got <laughs> something hit me in the head and the idea of the flux capacitor. <laughs> I was just going to say that when you said in your garage, I'm like, back to the I future. read your mind. <laughs> yeah, so it, it wasn't like a planned thing. It just kind of sort of happened by accident organically. And I just got this wacky idea and, and went with it. But that's what you have to do, because once the inspiration fizzles out, you know, what have you got? Right, yeah. You got to act while the while the while it's hot. Well, Vinny, gosh, it's been so nice to meet you. You've got so much going on. We look to see what we're looking forward to seeing what's going on with you in 2024 and and all of that. And we thank you for coming out and talking to us. No worries at all. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure to talk to you. Yes. Go birds and go Phil's. Yes. Somebody's got to win. Flyers, come on. Please. <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> Definitely. Let's let's hope 2024 is our year. We need some winners in this town. Absolutely. Well, you're a winner in this town, Vinny. So okay. thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And folks, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.